Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 12, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Family Life and Missions Minister at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is the question, Whatever we ask... Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Anything? Really? Hmm. Gracious God, Jesus promised abundant life, so in his name, please shower on me an abundance of money from your infinite source and do it on a regular basis. Your ways are innumerable and your methods beyond my comprehension. So it's best that I leave to you the timing and the sources through which you will send me the money. I pledge to use that money for my good, also for the good of others. May your will be done. Thank you in advance. Amen. Or how about this one? Dear God, kindly shower me with rich, lavish financial blessings. And do it now. As you've noticed, Russ and Amy aren't here today, and they probably don't ever need to know that these prayers were uttered from their pulpit, (laughs) even in jest. But these are real prosperity gospel prayers that I was able to find online. People, maybe lots of people, really do pray this way. If you were at home this morning, I have little doubt that you could find and tune in to something very similar with your TV remote. I particularly like the part that says, shower on me an abundance of money on a regular basis. I don't want to win the lottery just once, but please arrange it so that I can have a steady income. I think we can all agree that this is not what Jesus meant when he said, ask me anything, and I will do it. But I've encountered some instances that aren't too dissimilar to prayers like these. When I was a seminary student, my wife and I had our first baby, Sarah, and I was trying to make ends meet by working at a wallpaper factory every weekday and serving in a church on weekends. To say that we didn't have a lot of money would be an understatement. I remember being in the seminary post office one day when the guy next to me opened a letter and went totally berserk. Praise God, praise God, I just got an unexpected check in the mail for $200, exactly the amount I need to cover the cost of my books for this semester. What a miracle. I think I might have said, 
that's nice. I, I really don't remember. But it was definitely a very subdued version of rejoicing with those who rejoice. Maybe too, I was a bit jealous. But being the skeptic that I am, I couldn't help wondering how many people he had made aware of this need before the miraculous $200 check appeared. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? As a campus minister, I worked with students who were mostly pretty conservative, and they never failed to insert in Jesus' name into their prayers. Even when we prayed out loud in a group, as we went around the circle, nearly every student would end their prayer in Jesus' name. So we had that in Jesus' name abundantly covered by the time we reached the end of the circle. Once in a while, I would ask what that meant to them. And usually their response was something like, I don't really know. I just learned to pray that way. That's how many of us learn to pray. And that's good. But maybe like my students, we've never really given much thought to what it means to pray in Jesus' name. When I was in France, I got a call one evening from a woman I've, I had never met. She asked on the phone if I was a Protestant pastor, and I said yes. Her next question was, do you do exorcisms? Initially, probably like you, I thought this must be a prank call. But eventually she convinced me that she was totally serious. I felt like this probably merited more than a phone call, so I arranged a conversation with her the next morning in my office. Her story was that the man she'd been seeing for the past two years must be demon-possessed, and she wanted me to cast out the demon. When I asked what made her think he was demon-possessed, she said, well, he's been telling me for two years that he's going to leave his wife, and the devil won't let him leave. I know. <laughs> Only in France. <laughs> I can tell you that without a doubt, I was relieved not to have to put my powers of exorcism to the test that morning. Sometimes it's fairly obvious that our prayers are not in line with what God would want for us. But we've all had the experience of earnestly praying for something that seems to be in keeping with what we imagine God's will to be. And yet, nothing happens. Those prayers seem to go unanswered. My brother came up from Greenville for a round of golf with me earlier this week. I mentioned to him that I would be preaching here this morning, and he asked about the sermon subject. 
I explained that during the summer, the sermon topics are suggested by members of the congregation, and that this week's sermon would be based on Jesus' words in John's Gospel, where he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And whoever suggested the topic added, really? Bill sort of laughed and said, yeah, that hasn't worked so well for me either. You see, Bill has a son in his early 30s who struggles with drug addiction, and it's a problem they've been dealing with for years since Andrew was in high school. His son has stolen from his parents and other relatives, including me. <laughs> He's wrecked cars while under the influence. He can't hold down a job and he's even been arrested for breaking and entering to support his habit. He's also gone for a long stint in rehab, done private counseling, and attended Narcotics Anonymous meetings off and on over the years. More than once, Bill has talked to me about the problems with his son, and he's told me before several times with tears in his eyes, that he doesn't understand why God doesn't ever seem to hear his prayers. This week, on the subject of prayer, he just shrugged it off and said, yeah, that hasn't worked so well for me. If you've had a loved one who struggled with drug addiction, I'm sure you can relate to the terrible agony that my brother his son and their family have been going through. And maybe you get it when he says praying hasn't worked so well so far. I think in one circumstance or another, we've all been there, feeling like God isn't listening and our prayers are going nowhere. My dad was a physician and in all of my years growing up, I can only remember him being sick enough to miss work once when he had the flu. He died 16 years ago after a very prolonged illness that lasted for more than a year. From the outset, he didn't like one bit being sick. And I can assure you, he was a much better doctor than he was a patient. But by the end, his pain cycle was much faster than the prescription medication allowed for, and he looked like a concentration camp survivor, nothing but slack skin on bones. It was truly awful. I drove to Pittsburgh once a month on weekends to give my stepmother a break in taking care of him. More than once, he cried and asked me why God wouldn't just let him die. We prayed together for an end to his suffering, and I often prayed on my way back to Charlotte, trying to understand and asking why. Sometimes prayers just don't seem to work so well. I think that's because prayer isn't magic. In Jesus' name isn't a magic formula 
that we need to say to get our prayers answered. As Ladane has mentioned, when Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, it was in the context of the last discourse of Jesus with his disciples. It came after the Last Supper in the upper room and before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. Jesus had already told his disciples several times that he would be leaving them, that his hour had come, that his death was imminent. In this passage, Jesus was giving the disciples the assurance that he would still be with them even after his death and resurrection, that God would send the Holy Spirit to be with them. He promised that they would be given power to do the works that he did, and even greater works than these, and that he would respond to their prayers, that he would do whatever they asked. In this context, doing what Jesus did meant continuing the mission for which he came, to announce the kingdom of God, to release the captives, to heal the sick, to care for the poor and the needy. In short, it meant continuing the ministry to which Jesus had called them. Presumably, the prayers Jesus promised to grant were prayers that were directly related to that mission. So if God doesn't always respond to our prayers, what's the point of praying? Thomas More said, pray, period. Don't expect anything. Or better, expect nothing. Prayer cleanses us of expectations and allows holy will, providence, and life itself an entry. What could be more worth the effort? Or you could say, what could be more worth the non-effort? The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is probably familiar to everyone here. Nebuchadnezzar insisted that everyone in his kingdom must worship the golden image that he had set up, and when these three refused, he threatened to throw them into the midst of a burning furnace. Hearing this threat, they replied, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fire, and God will deliver us. But even if our God does not deliver us, we will continue to serve God. Even if God doesn't seem to hear our prayers, or if the answer isn't the one we're looking for, or if God's timetable doesn't exactly line up with ours, even then, will we continue to pray? Ken Sehested, in the wake of the Twin Towers collapsing on 9-11, quoted this passage from the Apostle Paul. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. He said, we may debate exactly how this is so, but this much is clear. Intercessory prayer keeps us 
in a heightened state of readiness so that we might intervene with compassion when the moment arises. Prayer, after all, is mostly about relationship. It's about really paying attention to our relationship with God. I love what Nouwen said in our morning meditation. To pray is to listen to the voice of the one who calls you my beloved, and to let that voice speak to the center of your being. I think the only way that you and I can begin to experience the unfathomable depths of God's love is through prayer. Through time spent in whatever form or fashion that takes, placing yourself quietly in God's presence. The discipline of prayer is the intentional, concentrated, and regular effort to make space in your life for God. It's the experience of God's unconditional love for us that allows us to truly love and accept ourselves, and only then to extend that love to others. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible comes when the angel Gabriel announces to Mary that she will bear a son, a holy child who will be called the Son of God. Mary, at first a bit incredulous, finishes by saying, Behold the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. I love this prayer, because despite her misgivings, Mary clearly places her absolute trust in God. She is willing to submit her will to God's will. Despite having no idea what the future will bring, she's open to whatever that might be and willing to walk forward with God on her journey. I once heard a Baptist pastor speaking to a group of Catholic clergy about what Protestants believe about Mary. He began his talk by saying, we Protestants probably don't say enough about Mary. Maybe because we fear that you Catholics have already said too much. <laughs> well, for me, her prayer at the Annunciation is one of those things that we should probably talk about and try to emulate more often than we do. Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. 
Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.